good morning, good evening, good afternoon. This is <laughs> the McCraw podcast, and we are back with another amazing episode, yeah. episode seven, Day of Atonement. And I'm joined here with the one and only AJ Holloway. Hey, and hey. And before we get into this, I just got to say thank you to all of our amazing listeners for your comments on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. I've been going through these and it's it's amazing to see. And I just, again, we want to say thank you. Um, and if you're new to this podcast, do yourself a favor, go back to episode one and uh, go through these series of episodes because you'll understand better where we're at in this episode, episode seven. But I do want to shout out really quick. Uh, we got a lot of apparently I'm just going through this. We got listeners, obviously, from the United States, Australia, Venezuela. If you're from Nigeria and you're listening, welcome in um, hey, France. Cool. Um, so all across the globe, we have people listening in. So we want to say thank you to our amazing listeners. And um, we're going to continue to work hard to put more episodes out. And um, but today is a good episode and we are ready to learn. I'm ready to learn. Um, so, AJ, how are you doing? Doing wonderful. Doing good, man. Good. Today, we're going to be talking about the Day of Atonement. Yeah, this is a big one. Obviously, uh, all of them were pretty important. Right. And I say pretty, that's really putting it mildly. Yeah. But the Day of Atonement, I guess, to them would be the equivalent uh, that Easter is to us. Right. Uh, literally in the sense that like even in modern Israel, people that aren't um, religious or participate in any of the customs of Israel, they're still going to participate in this. This is like the high holy day. So this is, that's the reason why I say this is a big one because this is their, this is the big day. Right. So we're going to. Uh, so this is equivalent to our Easter as we're celebrating Easter. For sure. This is um, their big celebration. Yeah, like here in the States, you know, Easter is one of those days where people that don't normally attend church, they're they're going to go with their families. They're going to show up. Yeah, That's obviously not the ancient context. Everybody participated, but modern context, this is pretty immortalized in their society and culture. And that's that's a big deal. Uh, and it, it was a big deal. And we're going to dig into that and see why it was such a big deal and why it matters to us. So I'm really trying to, you know, keep this reminder set that just like the season of Passover, the season of Tabernacles is a nesting doll. And we've done two of the three, like Passover starts with Passover, then it's unleavened bread, then first fruits. All of that is inside of the container or season Passover. And then this one, uh, the, the season is Tabernacles. It's unlike Passover, it doesn't start with tabernacles, it ends with it, but it starts with trumpets, then day of atonement, and then tabernacles. And this is the second of the three. And the, the next episode, we will be wrapping this uh, whole series up. But here we are in the second nesting doll, and it is a big deal, big, big deal. So big, in fact, that... Um, I don't have time to go over chiastic structure on a podcast, but just go do a quick Google search whenever you have time. Um, just kind of write that down. It's C-H-I-A-S-M. That's chiasm. 
and you can do a pretty quick Google search and see what that means. But basically at the middle, chiasm is whatever's in the middle, that's the point. So the middle is the punchline uh, in that ancient writing. And I, I bring that up. It's relevant because in the middle of their Bible of five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus is in the middle of, of the Bible. It's the third. So it's right in the center of the five. And in the middle of Leviticus is this day we're talking about, a day of atonement. So the punchline, the, the, the point of their Bible is this festival we're going to discuss. It's a big deal. And this is why it was considered a mikra. They wanted to re recite it. It was to be a rehearsal. Because if you rehearse something, you're not going to forget the lines. You're, you're going to know it. So this is a Mikra, and we're going to look at Leviticus 23 to kind of get the, the biblical context of it. And we're going to dive into, as we have in the past, the historical background. So Leviticus 23, verse 27, and I'm going to read through 32. So on exactly the 10th day of this seventh month. So Paul's, what we talked about last week in uh, Trumpets on that episode was when trumpet sounded for 10 days, they would fast. They were doing introspection. They were searching themselves because they knew this day that we're talking about in this episode was coming. So this is the end of that little 10 day period. So at the uh, end of that 10th day on that seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. That word there, as we know, is mikra. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. It's pretty, pretty serious. Any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening. From evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. So I think it's appropriate to look at that word atonement. Uh, wish, man, I wish we had a bunch of time to go into that. But the word atonement is kefer. And that's where we get the name you've probably heard, Yom Kippur. Kippur is the yeah. word for kefer right there. So kefer is um, atonement. And I mentioned this in the past episode. Atonement is a word that was made up by Tyndale to help us uh, native English readers understand the meaning of that word. But the word kefer, atonement, is at one mint. It's, that was never a word until Tyndale made it up to describe this word. But atonement, it means to cover or to smear, which is really cool because that word is used earlier in the Bible before this uh, instance. It's used in Genesis. And yeah. it's cool because it's used on an ark. In both places, in Genesis and Leviticus, it's used on the on an ark. It was used on Noah's ark, and it was used on uh, this ark, the Ark of the Covenant. And notice that it's a high Sabbath day, a solemn rest. Don't you think it's cool that the first ark that had kefir, 
The word kefir in uh, Genesis was, is the English word pitch. Pitch the outside of the ark and the inside. That's, that's the word kefir. I put atonement on the outside and atonement on the inside. And don't you think it's funny well, that Noah's name is the Hebrew word for rest? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And don't you think it cool that rest was inside of salvation because atonement was on the outside and the inside? He was resting in the salvation wow. when, when the judgment came, the judgment waters. Oh, it's so good because that, as we'll dig into this episode, you'll see why that's so important. So just kind of take a mental pen and stab it right there and put the little um, sticky note on your brain and remember Noah's Ark because that's going to really make a big deal here later. So let's look at the historical background. Okay, now that we know what the word atonement means, just to, to smear or cover. So the day of atonement, atonement, uh, the day of atonement, took place on the tenth day of the Hebrew month of Tishrei. The Hebrew word Tishrei, their month, uh, which is the ten month, it means to begin. That's what that word means, and it correlates to our Gregorian calendar of September or October. So the month we just came out of. So on this right. day, there would be a great day of national cleansing and repentance from sins. It was on this day that God judged the sins of the entire nation. So it's commonly referred to as the day of judgment. Okay. And it's important so them to know, coming out of really quick, them coming out of um, the trumpets, they're trying to prepare themselves. And so they're repenting and asking for forgiveness and they're yeah. looking within. And now this is the day that basically they were living up to trying to that's get right. to this moment where they're being judged. Excellent. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. They're preparing for the judgment. So that's why the wow. 10 days leading up were so heavy. They were searching themselves. Oh, goodness, God's showing up. I got to make sure that I'm doing everything I need to be doing. And this wow. day was uh, immortalized as the day of judgment. Mm. The... Um, this particular infamous day, is, it's infamous because this is the day where the high priest would go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the sacrifice, and he would sprinkle it or smear it, kefer it, on top of the uh, Ark of the Covenant, which was the mercy seat. And when the judgment of God fell down, he saw the blood and his, his judgment was satisfied. His, I, I need to highlight his righteous judgment. It would be appeased by this blood. This was the only day where the priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. And I heard uh, Dr. Michael Heiser say this. He said, imagine a big reset button. And God comes in and pushes the reset button. And he says, there, it's all rolled back. Now, it's important to note that what was rolled back was their sins against God. Okay, that's what the Day of Atonement is is resetting or repairing your sins against your neighbor and all of that. You still need to go to them and reconcile. You need to go and ask them for forgiveness, but you're standing between you and God by that blood of a bull. You are, you're, you're covered. You are atoned. Something has been smeared onto a mercy seat and the judgment of God is, is appeased. So, the word atonement, as I said, comes from the Hebrew word kefer, and it means to smear or to cover. 
so that's why it's called the day of atonement or the day of covering the sins of the entire nation. This would be, as you can imagine, a very tense day. You know, this is not yeah. joyful. This is now it will be, but initially there's, it's very tense because they know the judgment of God is coming. So therefore the people would have godly sorrow, godly repentance, and they would be confessing their sins and they would mourn before God with a broken heart. They would have a contrite spirit. It is the only day that is a required day of fasting in the Bible. And someone reading this, you can go or listening to this can go read Leviticus 23, 27 to see that, you know, this is the day, only day that's required of fasting. And Jeremiah 36 and 6 actually alludes to that as well. But the Jews believe that the final judgment of each soul would come on the day of atonement. Thus, the future, if God's judgment is satisfied with that um, sacrifice, their future would be sealed and the gates of heaven would be closed until the next year. Knowing this, they would occupy themselves, as we said in the last episode, with a lot of good deeds. They would highlight taking care of widows. They would take care of the poor. They would go and see after uh, orphans. They would take care. They would feed the immigrants, the strangers amongst them, a.k.a. the Goyim or Gentiles. Got the word Gentile got translated in the Old Testament to nations. So they were looking after one another. They were trying to make sure, hey, are we doing everything that the law has stipulated that we do? They would do this for those 10 days from trumpets to atonement. As the day of atonement would approach, the Israelites historically would greet each other with this phrase. May your name be inscribed in the book of life. This was, they would go to one another and it was almost like, hey, good luck. But it's so much more profound than our little sentiment of, hey, good luck, you know, with that job interview or whatever. For them, they were saying, when God shows up, may our names be written. This is what they were thinking of in this ancient context. So according to Leviticus 16, on the day of atonement, the high priest was to present two goats before the Lord. He would then cast lots over uh, the goats to determine which would be offered to the Lord and which would be led into the wilderness as the scapegoat. The goat on which the Lord's lot fell was offered as a sin offering. You can see that in Leviticus chapter 16, uh, 5 through 10. But the religious uh, leaders considered it a good omen if the lot marked for the Lord was drawn by the priest in his right hand. Now, obviously, this is this is historical. This is not we're not getting this directly from Bible. This is written in later Jewish writings. The priest would consider it a good omen that if the lot, the Lord's lot, if it landed in his right hand. So according to traditional Jewish writings, for 40 years prior to the destruction of the temple, the lot for the Lord appeared in the left hand of the priest all 40 years. It never, this was considered a bad omen and it caused them a tremendous amount of fear. So I say all this because in Second Temple Judaism, which was during the, um, the exile period where they're, you know, they're slaves in, a, in, in Babylon, Assyria and whatnot, they considered a, there's some, some impending doom is coming because they kept, 
This is historical, mind you. They kept drawing the Lord's lots. So let me give a little context because it might be a little, a little confusing for someone. Think of lots like drawing the short straw or rolling dice. If you roll snake eyes, then that's the Lord's lots. But that's not what they're actually doing. But we don't actually know what they were doing. They were uh, using the Urim and the Thummim here. We, no scholar actually fully knows what that is. But they would, you know, cast the lots and whatever lot was the Lord's, if it was in their right hand, this was considered a good thing. And for 40 years in biblical writings, it was always in the left hand. So for them, this is a bad, this is bad. There is an impending doom. Judgment is coming to annihilate us. They, you can understand now possibly why they weren't expecting Jesus. They were expecting impending doom. We're going to be wiped off the face of this planet. Well, yeah, sin was wiped off the planet, but not the sinner. That's happening next time. So you can see how they were not expecting this amazing Jesus when he showed up because they've been hardwired since the, uh, the exile period. Impending doom is coming. Now, according to later writings in Jewish history, the high priest tied a crimson wool thread around the horns of the scapegoat. Again, this is not biblical, and I want to make I want to highlight that. This is from Second Temple Judaism writings. And I'm just giving it so that people will have the historical background. But they would take a, a crimson wool thread, they would tie it around the horns of the scapegoat, and they would send the the scapegoat. So the two goats that were sitting there, they cast the lots, and if the lot fell in the right hand, that's the good omen. They would now sacrifice that goat before the Lord. But the scapegoat, they would put their hand on the head of the scapegoat. All of the sins against God from Israel would transfer to that scapegoat. They would then send the scapegoat outside of the camp of Israel. The reason why, and Leviticus says something interesting. They said, send it to Azazel. When you look at the word Azazel, it's the word of a demonic spirit. Why? Why are they doing this? Well, send sin where it belongs. Out in the wilderness to to this whatever this demon beast was. We'll we can dive into that, but there's this isn't the context for it. But send it out there to the one to whom it belongs. This is holy yeah. space. This temple compound wow. right here. This is holy. This is a holy hot spot, and we don't want anything to defile it. We want it clean. So when the sin transferred to the scapegoat, send it out there. It can't stay here. So later on, uh, historically, the Jews, the Jews used to just send the scapegoat out into the wilderness. Then they started bringing it out um, to a cliff, and they would shove the scapegoat over the side of a cliff, and that they were sending Israel's sins uh, away. So I bring up the crimson thread because in uh, Second Temple writings, allegedly a portion of the crimson thread was attached to the door of the tabernacle before the goat was sent out into the wilderness. When the goat was pushed off the cliff and it died, the thread on the door at the temple was said to turn from red to white. This was a divine sign to the people that God had accepted their sacrifice and their sins were forgiven. Now, obviously, we don't have any any proof of that. I'm just, I want to keep stressing, unless somebody like take this and run with it. This is second temple writings. 
but this was yeah. to them a divine sign. And they quote Isaiah 118, which says, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. The rabbinic writings tell us that for 40 years prior to the destruction of the temple, the threads stopped turning white. Further signs of doom. Yeah. They were really expecting doom. So when Jesus showed up and he was preaching, you know, I've come to set at liberty they which are captive to recover sight to the blind. This was, you know, they were really expecting something bad. And it, Jesus right. showing up was judgment, but it was judgment to sin and hell to right. liberate the sinner from hell. And Jesus yeah. would do this by becoming the scapegoat. So that's, that's the historical background. Now in the Bible, what these priests would do is they would have bells on their, um, their garments. So when they would go into that most holy place, everybody perked up and they were listening. And when they would hear the priest walking and the bells chiming, they all, they would take a gasp and say, okay, the priest is alive. That means our sins have been reset and there would be wow. rejoicing, which would bring us to, we're not going to get into it, but our next episode, tabernacles, the presence of God now, but they wow. were, they were trying to hear the sound of the bells. Yeah. Now, that's the historical background. I want to get into, I know in the last episode, I said that, you know, these are still Macross for us. We are still reciting or rehearsing these. These haven't been, trumpets hasn't been fulfilled. We're still waiting to hear the trumpets. And right. when we do, we're, we're going to be brought before God. Um, this is confusing and we'll have to get into a, a whole other series on this. Uh, studying eschatology, but the great white throne is not what we're going for. Not, not the Christians. We're going before the judgment seat where God is going to, to try us by fire. And if we, if our foundation was gold, silver and stone, we will pass, you know, the fire, we will be baptized with fire on that day. Now the great white throne is the sinners will be judged for their lifestyle that they never repented of. So that's a whole other thing. I don't want to take time here in this context. I don't want to stay on focus, but we are awaiting that day. When that trumpet sounds, we're going to go before God. Now, thankfully, based off of this, this whole Mikra, you and I still need to have introspection. We still need to search ourselves. We still need to be built upon a strong foundation so that when we are tried by fire, we'll come out not destroyed. Right. But we do have a confidence. And this is something that I feel is very, very relevant. So I want to transition. So even though this hasn't been fulfilled, meaning the trumpet hasn't sounded, we haven't stood before the literal uh, judgment seat of God yet. It has been partially fulfilled. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Jesus has already gone. He has already ascended. He is, he has already stood before the judgment seat because yeah. Jesus was a human. God almighty came down as a human so that 
he could be the first fruits and he has, he had no sin in him. So he passed. So that blood of the victor smeared on you and me, we also can stand before the seat. So we, we need to have this confidence. We really do. And I, I really, I've been preaching this a lot this year. We need to have a revival of a confidence in the blood of Jesus. I think we've, we've drifted away of that a little bit. The blood of Jesus is the most powerful thing on this planet. And we need to be revived with that revelation. So let me, yeah. let me explain, give you an example of what I mean by this partially fulfilled. I, th I want you to think of twins, but still in the womb. Okay. Identical twins. Imagine one comes into the world first they're the firstborn. And then let's say, I don't know, eight minutes later, the second child comes into the world. The firstborn has experienced the world he was always destined for, but his brother who bears his image will soon come into this new world after him. Okay. The firstborn twin, and this isn't going to be a perfect example, but it's the best that I could, I could think of to explain this partially fulfilled. The firstborn yeah. has already come into the world through the breaking of blood and water through the mother. Right. The firstborn twin is in the world and the one who's, who's in his image is coming. There's birthing pains in any moment. Now it's going to happen. The first one has gone on the second one. So too will come on. There is a partial fulfillment. The firstborn has come into the world and the, the mother is groaning and in labor pains, but also expecting the one who is identical to this one will be coming into the world at any moment. It's literally not yet, but already. <laughs> That's why Jesus could say the kingdom is here. And you're like, I, I don't see it. He's like, oh, it's, it's here already, but not yet. Yeah. This, the kingdom, like when you have moves of God, that is, that is a taste of heaven right. already, but not, but you're not in heaven. You see? Wow. Right. So too. Now I use that twin example because Jesus, our brother, according to the flesh, he's our father, according to the spirit, but according to him, putting on flesh, he became our brother and he was the firstborn of many brethren. So Jesus, our brother in the flesh has already gone into the heavenlies before us. And the church groans with expectation for the children to put off this corruption and put on incorruption as we receive our glorified bodies. Those who bear the image of Jesus will step into our heavenly home and we will pass judgment if we can live the life he lived. It's, it's not yet, but it has already because our, our, the firstborn's already gone. So as Paul's theology is, he's like, if Jesus hasn't resurrected, then our preaching is in vain. There is no hope in this gospel. And if I had hope in this life only, Paul said, I would be of most men miserable. But he has hope because our brother went and our brother is also the father. So in, according to the flesh, he became our brother, 
but in the spirit, he was our father and his blood is doing greater work than if the blood of that goat could roll the sins back a year. Oh my, what can the blood of Jesus do? So it's been partially fulfilled. <laughs> Jesus right. has ascended. We wow. haven't, we're still in the womb. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to break this down a little bit more. Let's look at Romans chapter eight, just to kind of okay. nail this down a little bit more. Romans eight, verse 19 for the eagerly awaiting creation waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subject, subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only that, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, <laughs> even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see through perse perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So imagine, wow. imagine this womb concept again, when you were, yeah. when you repented, when you were baptized in the name of Jesus, you were filled with his spirit. Imagine that inside of the church, the mother, you are now a growing being inside of that womb. And from that moment in Acts two until today, the child has been growing to the point where we're going to come into the world. Jesus has already come out of the womb, so to speak, if I can stay on track with that illustration. He, and according to Paul's illustration in Romans, Jesus has exited the womb of the earth and he has gone into the kingdom, the world, as it was intended to be. And so imagine the firstborn twin, if, if the baby could talk. Guys, it's amazing out here. And all we have is, it's dark. We're inside of this womb. We're being sustained by the mom. We haven't yet seen the father. All we can see is the inside, the darkness of the womb. And I'm obviously imagining a you know newborn baby's talk. But the firstborn saying, it's everything it's supposed to be out here. That womb has prepared you for this world. And the mom knows, wow. okay, the first one is here any moment now. The second, Jesus stepping into heaven, left this world, went into the kingdom, and we will too. Thus the partially fulfilled. And we eagerly anticipate and wait any moment now. We've been growing inside. That is the call of every Christian. We are to be born. We're to have conception. Imagine the infilling of the Holy Ghost as conception. Okay. Contrary to popular belief, the salvation is not a diploma. It's, it's a birth certificate. And when you are born, you're not done. You're, you're a babe in Christ. You must grow as Paul said, into the fullness and the stature of Christ Jesus. So this atonement is showing, uh, this, this beauty. So in the meantime, we need to learn how to have confidence in the blood of Jesus, which the author of Hebrews 
was well aware of. Jesus has gone on and he is the blood. All the sins went to him. He brought it to death where it belonged. He brought it to the grave. All of our sins transferred to him on that cross. And when he went down into the grave, he brought all of the sins of the nation with him down there and buried it. So that when I'm yeah. buried with him in baptism, that's where my sins go. My spirit has been right. redeemed. My body hasn't. Okay. Wow. Through salvation, our spirits were redeemed. We're waiting on the redemption of our bodies. But in the meantime, until we receive our glorified body and we put off this corruption, we need to put our faith back in the blood. Listen to how confident yeah. the author of Hebrews was in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. He was very confident in this. While, while we await being delivered, I'll use that word. Right. We have been born. Yeah. We, we believe in birth at conception. Not birth, but we believe right. in life at conception. We have been, there's life in us, but we haven't stepped into the world created for us yet. We are still in the church. Wow. Is that tracking? Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this is making sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And through that blood, yeah, we will come into the world that was designed for us all along. But until that happens, until we pass over, we need to have confidence. So Corinthians 10, for the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So he's saying, hey, guys, this thing we've been doing, it's. It was never designed to make you perfect. And he gives a verse two. He builds on this idea for then would they not have ceased to be offered if they were, if they were, if that was the end all the goats, then we'd still be doing it for the worshipers. Once purified would have had no more conscious of sins, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. He's talking about the day of atonement for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he quotes a passage, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. This is speaking of Jesus. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sins you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. This, this sermon right here from whoever preached it is really, he's brilliant. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified. Did you hear that? That's really, he says past tense and future tense all in the same breath. He's saying not yet, but already. By that yeah. will we have been. Wow. By that, will we, we have been, have been, we will, but we haven't <laughs> right <laughs> by that. We will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You don't have to do it yearly. Jesus's blood did it once for all. 
Verse 11, and every priest stands wow. ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Again, he does it, not yet, yeah. but already. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this, and he quotes, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. His blood wow. didn't just cover our sins or roll them back for a year. He didn't just push a reset button that he has to push again next year. His blood took them away completely, never wow. to be remembered again. It is yeah. over. The blood yeah. wiped it out. But again, mm. I can't stress this enough. This is a partial fulfillment. We are not in heaven yet. So there is wow. this extreme confidence in the blood, but also this vulnerability in ourselves. Right. Okay, it's the, I have confidence that I can approach the throne of grace someday. Not by any work yeah. of my own, but because of Jesus, the firstborn who went into the world, into the kingdom on my behalf first and his blood removing all of my mistakes. But until that day, I still am vulnerable because yeah. my spirit was redeemed at salvation, but my body wasn't. Right. We are mm. not in heaven yet. Our spirits have been redeemed through salvation, but our bodies are still corruptible. So we need continual cleansing in our daily lives with the fruit of self-control to put this flesh to death. We need to continue wow. the Mikra. It's It's been fulfilled yeah. in Jesus, but not in us. He went on and we will too, but we haven't yet. Okay. But we yeah. can have confidence that he did. So with his blood and his nature, we will too. But until then, we need to practice the Mikra. We need to judge our sins daily through not, not our definition of judging. We need to read right. the word of God and let the word of God judge us. If we will allow the word of God to judge us in the womb, then we'll be able to stand before the judgment seat and pass. Yeah. We have been prejudged. Sinners will be judged after the fact and there's it. It's over. They never, they never applied the blood of Jesus. Jesus mm -hmm. came on his first trip to war against sin. He delivered us from sin. When Jesus comes back, he's not warring against sin. He's going to war against sinners, the ones who had freedom mm -hmm. from sin, but did not walk in that freedom. So we have to read the word of God, judge ourselves. By judging ourselves, we're killing this flesh, putting it to death. So that we can maintain, not just so that we can brag on being spiritual people, we put to, to death our flesh so that we can maintain fellowship with the Lord. 
So John wow. spoke of this that I'm talking about in 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 6 through 10, and then we're going to read verse 2, 1 through 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light mm. as he himself is in the light, you see that the firstborn has done it. So we need to now follow suit. Right. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth isn't in us. But if we confess mm. our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If we're not sinners, then the cross was a big waste of time. Let's look at uh, yeah. 1 John chapter 2 now, 1 through 6. Because John's going to finish this idea. And as you know, there's no chapters in this original letter. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, here's good news. Here's where we need to put our confidence back in the blood. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The word advocate right there is a Greek term. It's a law term. It's a defender. A, a a defending attorney. He's going to testify on our behalf. His blood, according to the Bible, speaks better words than those of Abel. His blood speaks, forgive them. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And check this out, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. By this, we know that we have come to know him. Here it is. Here's how we know we're growing inside the womb. Here's how we know we're starting to be like the image of the firstborn who, who left the womb. So when you are filled with the spirit baptized in his name, I, we say this a lot. We very much preach the death, the burial, the resurrection. I've listened to other denominations. <laughs> they highlight the death and the resurrection and they don't, they don't highlight burial. I hear other denominations say the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We highlight the death, the burial, the resurrection, which death is, you know, dying for humanity, buried in the tomb, resurrected. And we follow suit through dying to sin, buried in baptism, resurrected through the Holy Ghost. But I feel that right. we need to add another to that. There's a fourth element okay. we haven't considered, the life of Jesus. It's the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection. For when we die and are buried and resurrected, we now must live like Christ, which John is saying here. The one who says, or by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. The truth isn't in him. But whoever follows his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says that he remains in him, here it is, ought himself also walk just as he walked. Wow. 
if you're going to follow the firstborn, you better be a twin. <laughs> you better act yeah. just like he acted. You better love like he loved, serve like he loved, served, um, reach like he reached. You should judge sin like he judged sin. Everything that Jesus did, we have to do. That's the growing in the womb. But until we put off corruption, summarizing here, until we put off this corruption by the blood of God and his blood being sprinkled on the true mercy seat in the heavenly places, if I am under that blood and that blood has covered me, I can wow. have this confidence, not in myself, but in the blood. So I can have peace here on earth because of the blood. I know that when judgment comes, when God's judgment looks at me, he will see the blood of the firstborn. And in that, I can have peace. In that, I can rest as they did on the day of atonement. I can truly be at peace and I can say, God, your blood was smeared all over me when I was baptized December 6, 1996. So my wow. endeavor now, I need to, I need to eat the nutrients provided to me by the bride while I'm in this womb. Yeah. I need to grow so that I can go to full term. Full term wow. is I'm going to tabernacle someday. I'm following my twin brother, Jesus, who has gone. He's, he's in the world that has been prepared. I'm following right behind wow. him to see the father. But in the yeah. meantime, I had better be growing. Yeah. It's not enough to just, just get filled with the Holy Ghost and just be the same as you always were. There's something wrong with you. You know, when, when we had uh, our first child, Levi, I remember my wife on her phone had an app and it showed all the progress. And each day it said, yeah. on this day, your child is the size of a grape. And I couldn't wait. Every right. week we'd watch these little uh, videos in this app. On this day, your child is the size of an avocado. And I was like blown away. I couldn't wait, man. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to feel the baby kick. It's the weirdest thing, man. Right. You know, it's the craziest thing. Yeah. Like I was, I would put my hand on my wife's stomach and he didn't just kick. He would like push. He was like, my boy was stretching out, man. Mm. He would like push and like <laughs> his foot would roll. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. But yeah, I had peace in that because I'm like, he's, he's growing any day he's now. He's going to come yeah. full term and he's going to show up. That is, wow. that's what we need to, to really, that's the reason for introspection. That's the reason for reading the Bible and prejudging ourselves. Let the word of God judge us. So if we can kneel before the precepts and follow the commands of the Bible now, we'll pass the judgment seat later because we have already been judged by it and have been perfected. Yeah. We've been growing in the womb, but right. we have been atoned. And through that atonement, we, we haven't been annihilated. We can emerge into life through the blood. So somebody needs wow, to know I love that the blood is the most powerful thing. Yeah. Stop fretting over if it works. I, I know that you and I are fallible. I know that we make mistakes. But John said, my little children, I'm writing to you so that you do not sin. But if any of you do, 
you have an advocate yeah with the father yeah, you have a jesus christ the righteous he's saying someone standing in your place he's standing in our place that blood has covered it the <laughs> wrath of god when jesus said my god my god why have you forsaken me those were the words we were supposed to say yeah and jesus said no 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 i'll go say it for you so that you don't have to you won't wow. have to say my god my god why have you forsaken me what you'll get to hear is enter thou in good and faithful servant enter thou into the joys <laughs> of the lord not because i'm a good person but because the blood i you can clothe yourselves with goodness all you want to but god is going to look at the blood and say i'm satisfied with the blood on you and he's going to test my foundation he's going to like a doctor they hooked up uh, all four of our children me measuring them weighing them seeing if they you know all they measure the diameter of their head they would measure how how long they were they were testing the the growth our last child gideon he was born premature he was uh, due in march and amanda's water broke on christmas day <laughs> And they had to, Oh my! yeah, man, we were in the hospital for 21 days and then we were in the NICU for like another 19 or 21, something like that. So mm. in that he didn't hit all his markers and they were constantly measuring and analyzing, looking. And obviously we have modern medicine that I don't know if we would have Gideon with us today if it weren't for modern medicine because they started when his the, her water broke, they started giving him steroids, things like that. They were trying to help his lungs mature faster. But the reality was when he came into the world, he was not this he wasn't fully grown. Right. That is not going to happen in heaven. You and I have got to mature. We've got to hit our mile markers. It pleases God right. the Father to look down at the womb of his church and see, okay, they're hitting their mile markers. They're growing. I hope that God looks wow. at AJ, the former hothead, the one who fought all the time and said, look at that. Through the one yeah. who's been conceived, he's growing in that womb. And any day now he's going to step foot here into this kingdom that's been prepared for him. He's growing. He's not as hateful. He's not as prideful as he used to be. All of that right. because of the blood. But I mm. still, I mean, you listen to the podcast. I'm still dealing with stuff in my, in myself. And if I didn't know the blood, right. if I didn't understand atonement, I'd be miserable. Yeah. I would be, I'd fret. I would stress and be like, oh God, oh God. No, I stop and I say, God, help me grow in this. I'm still in the womb. I'm still in the womb, but I help me grow. Stretch me. Send me nutrients. Feed me the bread of life here in this, you know, umbilical cord so that I can grow some more because I want to see heaven. I, I don't feel like I'm lost because I made a mistake. I think that's what I'm really trying to nail down here now that I, I articulated it that way. I don't feel like I've been aborted because I had right. a flawed motive. You know, I'm the help of the blood of Jesus. I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow through that. Yeah. So someone listening, stop beating yourself up 
and aborting yourself. Stop and then say, okay, there's blood that's covering this, that's atoning, is speaking on my behalf. This is an opportunity yeah. for me to grow is what it is. And I need to grow. I need to stop being a selfish person. The fact that you are aware of it was not to abort. It was to help you hit the next mile marker. In this, we have rest through atonement. The big theme of this season was rest. I want somebody to rest in the blood of Jesus, that his blood has atoned us. It has covered us. We have been, we have been, uh, our, our spirits have been redeemed. That's why we can tap into yeah. spiritual realms because our spirit has been redeemed. Our bodies don't wow. go there because our bodies have yet to be redeemed. But according to Paul, someday this body's going to put off corruption. And at the sound of a trumpet, <laughs> we are going to put on yeah. incorruption and we will be changed. We will be brought wow. into the world that we were born for. Yeah. Hopefully that's making sense. I, this is a, that absolutely that that's incredible. And, and just what I'm getting out of it myself is, um, oftentimes, you know, we, we, people, if like me grew up in the church, uh, and, and so baptized in Jesus name, received the Holy ghost early on and, in student ministry, you like, okay, what is the next steps past that? Mm. Um, other than receiving the Holy ghost, being baptized in Jesus name. And so there's this constant battle of like, am I going to be used by God? What's the next step? But the way you're putting it is us growing in the womb is, and, and as you said, uh, to be Christ like, yeah. well, what did Jesus do? That's your next steps That's it. to live the life that Jesus lived. How did he do that? He was friends of sinners. He loved everybody. He made disciples. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's a pretty good, easy next step for, um, if you've been baptized in Jesus name, if you received the Holy spirit, the next step is to live as Jesus lived. Like you said, if you love him. You ought but to then walk the you could also walked. have the counter. You got to walk the way that he walked. And the counter argument too is, well, there's no way I could, I could live up to what Jesus did. Well, that's Okay. Because he died on the cross, and he atoned us, and he he gave us a way out, and so don't beat yourself up if you've made a mistake. A lot of times we ask, and I hear this in student ministry all the time. I've asked God for forgiveness, and I know that He forgave me, but it's hard for me to forgive myself. Well, I'll say, I want to say that's why you're a baby. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go you ahead. You can't forgive yourself. You're not God. Stop trying exactly. to do that. What you need to do is change the paradigm. Stop saying, I'm learning how to forgive myself. I've, yeah. I don't want to be hard, but I also want to, there's really no biblical precedent for that. And it's putting us in, this, in right. the position of God. I can't forgive me. What, I've, what I do now is I know God has atoned me. So what I do is this mistake is a great opportunity to gain wisdom on how not to make this mistake again. Exactly. That's, it's like you're growing in the I'm womb. I'm growing. I look at it now, and that's, that's where perfect. I don't have condemnation. I'm like, this is a great opportunity. I am now wiser through this mistake. Right. The blood has covered it. I sincerely bring it to him, and I confess to him. There's a key to that, too. I confess to him this flaw. But now, help sanctify me so that I don't keep doing this mistake. That's a mile marker. I'm now growing. Yeah. I love that. Yes. And there's there's this concept that... 
there's power in the connection process. Yeah. And so if your fingers connected to your hand, um, the blood flows if you're, um, and so you, you keep pointing out the umbilical cord. Uh, if a baby's connected, how is the baby connected? It's through the umbilical cord. Connected so to how the can we be connected? We have to be connected to Jesus through relationship. And how do we keep growing? It's through reading of the word of God. It's going to church. It's learning. It's just it's just a growth process until we get to that day where he calls us up. That's right. I, I love the concept of, of, of it being in the womb. It also shows the beauty of the church. The yeah, the father's there's, there's power being connected to the church. The father's intimacy with the church creates the babies in the kingdom. And we're in the kingdom, but not yet. But we are already because we're we're in the womb. And that woman, that church that preaches the word and doesn't sweeten it with sugar, but prepares it as it has been prepared and feeds the baby good nutrients. The baby will grow based on the word of God. But at some point at that calling up, that umbilical cord will be cut and we will be with the father. Yeah, uh, exactly. And again, I just love that. I love the illustration of the umbilical cord. If you stay connected to the church, you're growing. If you stay connected in your prayer, you're growing. If you stay connected to your relationship with Jesus and living That's the right. way that he lived, then you're growing. If you read the word of God, if you stay connected to the word of God, you're growing. If you stay in the spirit, you're growing. That's right. So that's uh, just, if you put it in that perspective, the way that you're doing it, and I love it. I love that. It's pretty easy to live out the life that Jesus lived. Yeah. It's just, hey, every obstacle, every storm that I'm going through, every problem that I'm going through, look at it as a growing process. Yeah. That I'm just growing in the womb. You're not aborted. I'm just trying to get to heaven. I, I'm not aborted. You're not aborted. I've never been aborted. Jesus died on the cross, gave me a way out. So every step, the storm, the valley, the highs, the lows, I am in the growth process because I just want to get to heaven. I want to get my family to heaven. Um, I want to get people around me, my friends to heaven. So I'm trying to help them as well. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. I love this. I love this episode. It's fantastic. The last thing is the grand summary of this particular day was when they yeah. heard the bells. Oh, we can rest. Oh, this is this is a great day. We we were so anxious. There was there was the groanings. There was the labor pains. It was affliction. But now we can rest. We need to understand the rest and understand it's still partially fulfilled. We're still going to feel turmoil and birthing pains, but we can stop and be like the blood. The blood is. The blood is atoned. The blood has covered. And rest, don't rest in 401ks. Don't rest in, you know, your preferred politics and your preferred president. Don't rest in all of that stuff. Rest, and we'll go back to where this all started. Rest like Noah did inside of salvation. That's, his name was Noah, rest. His father prophesied, the Lord will give us rest concerning the toil of our hands. And guess what year Lamech died? He was 777 years old. And Noah <laughs> rested inside of that salvation. Wow. Yeah. There's more to the story, but we'll stop there. Your rest <laughs> is in the salvation of God. So it makes... Uh 
it makes a lot of things that seem to be big problems not that big anymore. The gospel is enough. I'm resting. Exactly. It's enough. Wow. Now let's wow. let's continue well, to Micra and fall in yeah. love with the movie of the Bible so that we can grow. Which is a great segue. That's what this podcast is all about. We really want to see people growing in the womb. That's what we really right. want to see. So that's the heart yep. of this. That's all I've got, though, Levi. That's yeah, man. That's incredible. I, I'm just, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, AJ, thank you so much for, and I'm gonna say this for everybody for studying this out and again teaching us another great lesson. Uh, on this. Um, I again, thank you everyone that is listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your love and support. If you would do us a favor, it does help us out to like, subscribe, comment, whatever you want to do, any avenue to share this, um, to help us out, to get the word out. But, uh, the next episode, AJ, what is it? What are we going to be learning on the next one so we can get everybody That's ready? It. That's the end. The tabernacles. That's episode eight. That is the end. That's not the end of this McGraw uh, podcast, but that is the end of this series. No, no, we got another one. And good, so, good. Uh, get ready for that. Oh my, yeah, y- y'all don't go anywhere, just okay? This thing. I mean, we're just we're just getting yeah, started. We're having fun with here. this, and it's even more fun when um, you guys show up. So keep showing up. Exactly, exactly. Well, look, we're getting close to the holiday yeah. season, so hopefully everyone has a great holiday season, and uh, we will see you in the next one. We look forward to um, uh, to being with you in the next episode as we grow and we learn about tabernacles. AJ, go you read your sign Bibles. Us off here? Go read your Later. Bibles. We'll see you in the next one.